Welcome to another edition of Like Dragon, Like Sun. My name is Jay Oatway. I'm one of your hosts. And uh, my name is Jack Oatway. I am another one of your hosts. And together, you've got two hosts for this episode. Two hosts, yeah, that's right. Uh, two for the price of one. I mean, same as all the other episodes so far, but who knows? Maybe one day, one yeah, of us will go on a quest. But if you're and... comparing yourself to other D&D podcasts that only have one host. Or six hosts. Well, yeah. I suppose you could think this way. Maybe we're more condensed. We get You get more... Yeah. More bang for your buck. Yeah. Things are better for two. The world is built for two. Mm, they do say that. They do say that. And uh, welcome back to another episode. How are you doing today? How are you? We are really good. Uh, super chipper. Summer vacation Summer is vacation. upon us. I'm and, done with school work. And it's I'm time. Free. It's time for the summer of summer, D&D well, to begin. Well, there's other things. But yes, for us, it's a summer of D&D for certain. Um, yeah, well, I'm thinking for a lot of players out there. For a lot of D&D players, it could yeah. very well be the summer of online D&D. A lot right? of us aren't taking holiday or any sort of vacation. We're not going anywhere. Mm. Uh, certainly none of us are getting on a plane to another country. Uh, we're, we're likely going to be staying, you know, much closer to home this summer. Right. Hopefully for some people also, you know, social distancing and whatnot will ease. Uh, if not, of course, we can still play online but hopefully you know this summer people can take uh some time off and play or for you know younger people your age who've got a lot of time off now the uh exciting times begin uh, yeah let's get let's get new players playing D this summer what are we gonna all right. do all right so i mean looking from an online perspective maybe first for some of our our international audience um I think the best way to start doing D and D online, just like in terms of getting like stuff, is like to like to play the game is uh, on D and D Beyond. Um, it's one of those sort of the greater tools to do that sort of. And getting an online membership is actually what I'd recommend, perhaps most of anything, if you are a DM. Um, and the cost may fall on you, but you could ask players to maybe chip in a little bit if that's a, a concern for you. But uh, what I would recommend if you want to get started online is to get a D&D Beyond subscription, just a hero tier one. Um, let's make a bunch more characters and then get the DMG, your player's handbook online or maybe the monster manual. Those three even just those are enough. Yeah, really, I feel. I mean, many a D&D game has been played with little more than the player's handbook, a DM's guide and a monster manual. Mm. It's uh, it's pretty easy when you think about it. Like, you know, we we're big fans of, you know, all the crazy rules and love lots of different source books and, uh, you know, are, are privileged to be able to have all those wonderful resources at our disposal, but they're not necessary. Mm -hmm. um, and certainly for people who are, you know, feeling a bit more of an economic pinch this year that, you know, keep it simple. Yeah. You don't need a lot of stuff. Uh, you know, we don't even need dice collections or anything anymore. We uh, we can just roll digital dice, and there's mm. uh, cheaper alternatives to that. And I think going on that point, um, many people also think, well, how am I going to like get all my people together, like call, and how am I going to verify dice rolls? Where there's um, if you have Discord and all your friends uh, in your sort of friend group can access that, um, there's a new D and D Beyond Discord bot called Avray, which lets you 
import characters, do roles that everyone can sort of see it. Um, and I actually haven't used that. I haven't tested it, uh, like that I software. I will be starting but... a campaign with it next week. So we'll see. Maybe we'll do a bit of playtesting and get back to you on how our experience with that is. Yeah, I mean, the I've seen some videos of people using it online, uh, sort of looked through the commands. I've played around with it, um, not in a full game context, but sort of in a trial testing mode. And it looks really good. Mm. Um, I'm super impressed with what potential looks like on it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, actually getting a few people around uh the bot and uh playing some D D on discord uh will be interesting i'm going to start a curse of strahd campaign curse of strahd so all edgy uh, why not so some new players in, in this so yeah I, I too am trying to uh bring some more people into the fold there's some people playing who've not really played D before i think they've had a few little D experiences um but this will be their first proper well, some of them are proper D players but yeah, one of them is, um, but I think the the other three are are newbies. Are newbies? That's uh, all right. That's no, great. in a good way. Yeah, in a great. good way. Uh, Go easy on them. Well, I actually, I'm actually super excited to do this. the 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 excitement of new players at the table is also that they tend to be bigger, out of the box uh, thinkers for a lot of situations. Um, they, you know, they'll often you know, instead of trying to stick to the sort of six actions that are in the player's handbook, um, mm. they're just sort of think say, yeah, yeah, I want to do this. Or oh, do yeah. That. And and then you can kind of be like, okay. Reminded of that sort of new magic of D&D, you know, and not sort of be restricted necessarily by the rules too much or sort of think about that sort of core idea of I want to do this and whatnot, you know. Um, testing new microphones i think we can just sort of leave it and see how it goes it they can pick up fairly well regardless of direction so i think it's not a big issue but yeah um lots of good big things happening here we've got new microphones installed our familiar still up on our desk here giving us giving us a hard time recording but as long as he stays off the laptop as long as he stays off the laptop then we're gonna have some issues but for now he's just chilling out very sweet but yeah, fun summer of D&D coming up. I actually have a game tomorrow I'm going to. It'll be just a sort of a simple PvP thing, I think. You guys are playing at the table. Uh, we're playing at the table. Um, Exciting. New venue. And you're doing PvP. You're just like showing up and just yeah, going to whack up. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm going to kick their butts. Yeah, they have no play? idea. I'm going to play a druid. A druid, yeah. yeah. We get 10th level. Um, I'm just going to go fully super annoying, summon a bunch of stuff, fly out of, out of the combat, let them all take care of each other, swoop in and beef up with some extra hit points with some big wild shapes and let the summons... What was Sammy shows up the fly spell? Uh, counter spell. Well, no, I don't... Well, Earthbind. Boom. I have the spell Earthbind. Can't cast it where you're a bat. Well, I'm not gonna... Well, I have, I'm an Arakokra. Oh, I see. Oh, you're really flying. Yeah. And they get a wisdom and dex boost, so it's not too bad. Wow. So, shape-shifting Arakokra. Yeah. Super annoying. Super, super duper annoying. Yeah. Well, it's fun. Yeah, super. I'm really excited. Hopefully, they don't have Earthbind. I don't think they're 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 prepared enough to combat. How do you think your friends are going at approaching combat? You know, I we think talked they, about the three different to, like, pillars, do, like we, big damage. So, of the three pillars, you know, this is pretty much only this combat. is only combat, and that's sometimes you know, everybody tries to you know steer new players away from the game Just being combat, pure yeah. combat. But this right? is pure you know, combat, but sometimes that is the whole thing we want to get around and do is just hit things, or in this case, each other, um, with magic weapons. Exactly. Uh, 
Do, do you guys have magic weapons? Uh, nope, no magic items. No magic items, just no spells, straight items. up stuff. So, okay, what what sort of approach to combat do you think? People are gonna go. Your for. friends are gonna go for. I know there's a gunslinger, um, because oh, they love playing gunslingers. Now. Yeah, um, it's pretty much like no homebrew, but everything else goes. So all critical role content, unearthed arcana, all of that just is is all fine. Playtest content's fine, whatever, as long as it's not created by a fan or by one of us, then it's good to go. So I'm actually playing fairly vanilla. If that's the right word to use. Fairly like. No play test, no outside the box well, third party company. Playing bird content. folk is hardly. Arakokra is a published, it's published, all right? It Which was published that? in a source book, Elemental's Evil Player Companion that... Guide. It's, book... it's, it was a thing published. It was one of the first things published. So I'm just trying to think which guide it came out in. Elemental Evil's Player uh, Companion. Right. Whatever. I think something like that. And that I think also introduced the Genasi. Yeah. And the Goliath. But. Yeah, that was a people often overlook that book. Also, I'm not sure if that's the one that introduced a bunch of cool spells or if that was Xanathar's, but um, yeah, it introduced some more elemental spells to the game as well. But yeah, that's who I'm playing. So hopefully things go well for me. Fingers crossed. But people are like, oh, I'm going cleric and tempest cleric, and then I'll use it to maximize lightning damage and whatnot. But my strategy is to just get out of the fray as quick as possible, you know? get summons down and they'll do a little bit of work um i can command them from afar while they all sort of take care of each other and that'll be that'll be my my strategy going into it but uh beyond just that that's what i'm doing tomorrow you know but we've had now talks and my group has been had no session in that sort of congregation uh in person since january so this is quite exciting development and people are sort of saying should we do this weekly and oh, yeah i mean we definitely yeah. should if not that I mean, start with that, but you should. You guys definitely should have a game at least weekly, if not twice I've, yeah, weekly. Yeah, I've suggested biweekly. Yeah, I mean, because you've got time right now. You've got mm. like the next eight weeks. You should just play as yeah, much yeah, as yeah. you possibly can. Absolutely. Um, I feel the same way. I feel like, you know, the the people I'm playing with this week are all teachers, or next week will it be all teachers. Well, all right. Let's not disclose anything personal about. All right, them, too but... too much about it. But they're all people who who. For also have got a few weeks of holiday coming up, so mm. I'm hoping very much that we can get a lot more game sessions in. Mm. Yeah, it's exciting, exciting weeks coming up. But what else do we want to talk about today? We've had a couple sort of talks in preparation for your Curse of Strahd campaign and whatnot. We got a brand new Taroka deck, which we were sort of experimenting with earlier today. Yeah, well, actually, we've had the Taroka deck for a while, um, but we haven't like used it at all. Yeah, yeah, we haven't really got out and played. With it, we realized that there was like a game built. Yeah, in. it comes in with a little game. I think it's the like Prophet's Gambit. Gambit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is a bit like a poker game. It's like a, a pseudo simple. poker, but no bidding or anything and like, like just that. like but... two or three quick rounds, and yeah, it's done. And you're done. Um, maybe it'd be better as a multiplayer. Like we were only playing it one on one. We were, yeah, but... we were playing it one on one. I'm sure when it goes around the table like three times, it'll be like, Oof, but yeah, it's it's neat See, though. It's and fun, yeah. and then yeah, we you and I practice a little bit of my. My fortune telling patter, patter, mm -hmm. my Madame Eva Vistani, uh, fortune teller, and um, we tried a couple of different rounds with it to sort of help see the different possibilities. And it's what I think I like about using things like that for Crystal Strahd and, and for games that I've come up with. I like when we introduce something like cards or a random like choose something that then makes the game 
different and different, yeah. and different every time. So there's replayability and, to it. And I think for the players, there's an excitement as well, thinking, oh, well, there's a randomness. Like the DM, yeah, the DM's guiding us through this. But Honestly, you could run Curse of Strahd four times and it'd be different every time. Yeah. Well, I mean, the where the treasures show up, where your ally shows up, and where Strahd's supposed to be, those five cards. Well, okay, okay. I'll random. put a little spoiler alert before that, but spoiler this is all of this is spoilers for curse of strahd so if you don't want to listen to that skip past a little bit yeah i, I suppose if you're a if you're a player out there who wants to keep the mystery of strahd uh, we're not giving away too much here um if you're a dm who's interested in playing this it's it's definitely worth i think practicing the fortunes of ravenloft um piece of it mm. a little bit uh just so you get to understand when you lay the five these five cards down, which ones represent which thing, which magical items in the game? There's three that you're basically giving the players super big clues as to where they're going to find them. Mm. There's an ally. You're going to give players a super big clue where to find them. And then, of course, the center card, which gives them a big, big clue as to uh, where they'll be able to confront Strahd. Uh, and, you know... He, the vampire himself. Yeah, I mean, the... The thing is, you're going to end up confronting him a whole bunch of times, likely, you know, if you're playing the campaign, if you're starting at a lower level um, and working <clears throat> working your players through mm. the many, many uh, stories that are in that adventure. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I've, I'm, I'm going to run it sort of backwards from how a lot of campaigns, uh, a lot of Chris Strahd runs, where most of the time players come in from the east. We're going to bring them in from the west. And uh, yeah, deep end of the pool, give them a sort of a big push. And All right, like we're swim. done. Spoilers for Curse of Strahd now. Um, I'll put a little timestamp in the in the recording about when that was. Um, but that's exciting coming up as well for you. Uh, you're DMing that one uh, as we're recording this. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it'll yeah, it'll be it'll be an evening right. thing of some sort. Right. Well, we were also having discussions, a couple of like other things, as we typically do, get into our little rabbit hole discussions. And we were looking at the fighter class a little bit more closely, um, especially sort of when talking about new players getting into the game um, with the fighter class. And there's obviously the like simple champion, right? Yeah, I guess we were we were talking about like what's the easiest, simplest thing character to, to like, build yeah. if you. If you had to build something and i was like oh well wouldn't it be fun to do battle master you know you get to roll lots of dice all the time and you were like nah too much to keep track of too many maneuvers and things like that but it's also like oh what does prone mean what does restrained mean what does pushing back mean how can i move like these are still like combat is like sort of a new still like feels like a new thing to like to many new players and like i feel like i would have had no idea how to even like begin with battle master whereas champion is super simple i don't think that i think fighter isn't the simplest class though I think it is. I think Rogue is the simplest class. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think understanding how to get advantage and for sneak attack and stuff, I don't I think feel it's like that hard you, to learn. You, like, I mean, it's, it's super easy. But There's one thing you kind of do for the entire time, like, you know, where with fighters, there's still like, oh, are you going dueling, archery? Like, out of the gate, there's this big choice of these things which you may not know about. Like, what is, what are great weapons? What are all these, like, what was Shieldmaster? Should I have picked this choice or this choice or whatever? And then also like your second wind. Now you have to like take a second turn on top of like 
everything else you get and healing and keeping track of your second wind and then like your subclass and then the fourth level asi bump like plus your extra attack and then you've got to keep all track of like how many attacks do i have this turn should i use my action surge do i have my second wind left how much do i heal from my second wind where with rogue at least like to me it's like all right i have my weapon i make one attack on my turn and if i can do it with an ally next to me i deal extra damage well, next to the enemy yeah yeah exactly and or if you can do it with advantage somehow exactly but things like you know the the combination of how do i shoot move rehide well that's well you make it a rehide thing but many people don't need to do that every turn maybe people just like oh i can move more than i typically like i can move and then shoot and then that's my turn yeah i mean i think learning how unseen attacker works is important um i think you know for rogues but i think that's an advanced strategy if you want to get really tactical with it yeah i I guess um but you know stealth stealth does seem to be like like a new player first level thing like as a fighter you have to choose your fighting style and as a rogue you have you even have sneak attack yet uh, no, yeah, that's the first it's level. First, thing, right? right of the gate. You just get proficiencies. Along with cunning action. And no, cunning action second level. Second level. Um, but you get your sneak attack, which is just extra damage you can do, which yeah. is like just 1d6, right? Well, in two. the beginning, it seems like enough. Exactly. It's not that much, you know? And you have these weapons, like simple, maybe a dagger or something. And it's super simple. Like to me, I feel like that's the most simple. Yeah, or you, you know, even simpler, you, you know, you just have a longbow and you shoot arrows from exactly from the, the shadows somewhere it's uh yeah you'd... even conceptually because fighter can be very sort of broad and versatile and it could be your vanilla like leather shield you know well that's like... what we were i guess what we decided we we asked ourselves well what's the most vanilla vanilla like, most like basic character simple boring character if you were to make the most simple fighter for a new player would a, a very simple champion mm-hmm. be even a fun player to play I, don't know. I think it could be still be fun to play regardless. The way I would spice it up is with how you play him and at fourth level taking a certain feat um, with it. Or even like the race. Like if it's just a human champion, that's as simple as you go. You need to give him a cool story, right? Don't define him by his race, but by who he is or she is, right? Who they are. Um, like give them an interesting, like I was raised by kobolds and so I, I, I cower. You know, or I'm, I'm fearful of, like, certain enemies or things like that. And I'm very, like, like revere dragons or, like, something like that. And give them, like, a cool, like, personality quirk or something that defines them beyond just that they're, this is my class and this is my race, you know. And I think that's how you make them interesting, just to play and at the table rather than just, like, I'm Joe Schmo with my 1d8 longsword and, pl- and a average shield and I have plate mail and I critical on a 19 and 20 and that's all you need to know about me like give them something interesting give them a cool flaw give them an interesting personality quirk that just takes them beyond like what i don't like to see is someone who thinks a character is interesting just because they're like i'm a tiefling that's my personality yeah what there I, needs to be I, something beyond you know, just that you're i a think tiefling. this is i mean i'm seeing that already with his players i'm playing next week you know i'm trying to encourage them to get some character sheets posted up so we can sort of have a look at the characters and Sort of maybe talk a little bit about backstory and things. And people don't fill out the description. That's okay. I often don't fill out the description. I guess. I mean, if I'm just making up random characters for if stuff. If I'm making up random fine. characters, if I'm making a PvP Couldn't thing, but like, if, but, if I'm doing a full campaign, I typically will. I, I, I even think that for me, even this, the fun of building a player, a character that I may never play, is still 
going through that, you know, if we're, even if we're building custom backgrounds, really understanding their motivations is a big part in my mind of, of whether I've made an interesting character or not. Um, you know, the personality traits, the bonds, ideals, those things really, really matter. And, and more than ever, the flaw is super, super important, I think, for, I mean, I think the flaws can often be done badly. People people choose ones that are I'm racist. Goofy yeah. or weird or yeah. Or make or, it like hard at the table or where something. It's like, yeah. Know. That are just that's just too like, yeah. There's a half orc in our party, I, I will be mean to them. Like that sucks. Don't yeah. do that. Um play it more subtly, you know? Like yeah. if you do have inhibitions towards maybe a certain group of orcs or and now that's maybe you're hard to trust by them you know or things like that but don't like just like refuse i, I like make it super difficult on the party because that just sucks you know for that yeah. like player playing the half work you know i play in a more so I, I mean i don't know how you'd even play that which is why i try to like tell players to like go away from that idea but if i know it's not going to interfere with the party and there's like oh demons rose from my town you know and sort of took over and so now they're like a little bit like reserved when they see a tiefling because it reminds them of that sort of scarring time not to the point where they won't interact with them but to a point where like they it's a little bit like you, you know, like a little bit hard for them but i wouldn't do that if there's a person at the table playing a tiefling and i i make it sort of like oh as they maybe step into the the nine hells or the abyss or wherever it is like there's like this like a fear that overcomes them mm. you know or a certain thing that like makes their fears, character it feels to be a fun moment. thing i mean the way the flaws are written now they don't really some of them might. There's some fears maybe in there a bit, but fears is a fun. Like if you can't, if you don't think any of the flaws are going to work for your game, sometimes having a an idea like that, a fear of fear. something, yeah. um, could be I mean, a monster type as, as simple as that. Like sure. maybe I mean, I'm afraid of fae or whatever. Right? Indiana Jones being afraid of snakes. You know that was always a good gag. Exactly. Um, you know, uh, you know, having a character that's afraid of of dark closed spaces. <laughs> You know, they're great on a battlefield, but they're rubbish in a dungeon. Um, I don't know, maybe that's too hard. But, you know, like, it depends how crippling the fear, I suppose, is, right? It depends what reptiles of it. Um, or what what everybody else in the party needs to do to make them feel better about mm. it. Like, if everybody has to put on a silly hat in order for it to work or something, well, then it's like, that's no big deal. But um, if it becomes mechanically impossible for the party to get anywhere, then, yeah, it's, it becomes it's broken. Yeah. Um, yeah, we don't, you know, I think it's one of the things that is important to know, like when we talk about building characters and doing weird, unusual things with them, we certainly never want to introduce a character into a party that hurts the party. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like that, we, we definitely don't want uh, a character that, you know, induces some sort of total party kill that, you know, that or is a conflict within the party or anything like they need to mm. still be an or ass. hogs too much attention at the table yeah. or anything like that, which just like sets like changes the dynamic or makes it so people at the table aren't having fun, you know, because yeah. they can't role play. Yeah. And, and on the other side of that is, you know, I never want to make a character that's so overpowered compared to the other players mm. that they feel like really inferior or inconsequential compared to that one super I think player. An argument I've heard from one of my friends is that if everyone's OP, then no one's OP. 
Yeah, I suppose. I mean, it's as long as, and this is where, you know, that dreaded word balance comes into D&D. All balance means is that everybody sort of feels it's fair. Mm. Um, and that it seems appropriate for the story. Like that's, you know, that's all we're shooting for here. Um, if, yeah, if, if one person, one character ends up with a disproportionate amount of everything. And the worst thing that you could end up with is a stat block that's out of 20, whack. 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, Yeah. 26. Then, then what do you need the rest of the party for? Exactly. It's and, always uh, better when everybody's a bit crap at everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think another like thing I see a lot of is people who want to play like lone wolf edge lords, right? And then it comes to party setting and they don't really work very well. Especially so, like, someone playing a rogue or like a way of shadow monk or, you know, like a dark warlock who's like all reclusive and not wanting to participate in sort of party activities or is very sort of drawn back, like, you know, very sort of separate from the party. And I feel like that always also sort of interferes. And there's like, without a reason for them being there, like, it doesn't make sense why their character is even like at the table. Like, yeah. if they want to do their own thing, then why are you? why are you in this adventure you know like this is the adventure of the party not of and, and i think that's and i think that's important you know if you're a dm who's trying to get new players to the table uh to help make sure as they're sort of dreaming up their character that they they come from humble backgrounds there's a lot of urge when you're new at this to want to write up a truly heroic grand backstory for your level one fighter they're a level one fighter. They they haven't, for whatever reason, really been out adventuring. Mm-hmm. They're... There could be a childhood trauma. That could be the big thing. I mean, that's what I see a lot of, a childhood event yeah. that set them on a certain path, especially if they're a sorcerer or like a warlock or something. We right? have all played orphan characters. <laughs> if you haven't played an orphan character yet, you haven't been playing D&D long enough. No, no. Well, yeah, but... It's possible. It's very possible that if you play D anD D long enough, you'll play. You an will eventually character. play an orphan character. Yeah, just it's bound to happen. If you're the parents of a D anD D character, there's a fifty percent chance that you're going to die. It's just <laughs> it's bound to happen. If you if you're raising a, a child and you think you know one day they're going to be a great adventurer, you know what? Probably yeah, you in order for that to happen, your you, you guys are you're going to have to yeah pay yeah, the ultimate just price. Just a part of the journey, part of the hero's journey. Yeah, um, I think yeah. If you want to make a really edgy character's backstory you have both your parents alive and you have them <laughs> nag you all the time yeah they're totally in your life they're still involved you hear from them constantly i think that all be the, funny everybody character. else in the party knows your mom and dad you know they like hang out with them sometimes or like 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 you go and you're like yeah my parents don't understand me you know like they, they rejected me or like whatever oh wow this is really bad and they, they get back and they're just like oh you're back oh you're in time for dinner and you got friends he's like oh whatever mom don't be weird around my friend, new friends. You're embarrassing you're, me. Exactly. And meanwhile, they're super nice to your friends. Your friends love them. And they're just fine. Yeah, it's like they're not even mean at all. They're just super sweet. And yeah. like the characters just are total. That's, that's that's the true edge lord right there. Yeah. 
I'd love to play a character like that. That'd be so funny. That's how it goes. I or think. even like as a DM facilitating that in an NPC, you know, where yeah. it's like some cool like play the cool like mom and dad urchin like the street sort of looking sort of type character, shady sort of thing, and just sort of like a teenager, and maybe he's got like acne or whatever. It's like yeah, I I have these scar acne scars, and what but what he's like yeah, these are from battle, and I was betrayed, burnt, and my parents don't love me, and all. And they 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 get home and like oh. Can we bake you a pie or something? You know, I baked you a pie today. Yeah, and they're all super sweet and nice. And it's like, oh, whatever. You're so embarrassing. Oh, I hate you. And it will be in my room. Don't don't bother me. Don't bother us. All right, leave us alone. Yeah, I think, <laughs> slams uh, the door. I think that's that's the backstory that no one writes, but every character needs. Yeah. I think if you write a really grand backstory, it's the backstory lie that you tell about <laughs> yourself. It's like, I fought dragons and I overcame demons and I traveled across the plains and blah, blah, blah. And it's just the, it's the story that you tell to make yourself, you know, sound That's big what, and like, important. That's what Terry and Darren was like from, yeah, from it's, Critical it's, Role. It's all, it's, it's all, all just cover for the fact that you, you you've never killed things, anything. Yeah. You want to do those things one day, you know, achieve that, become that person. I had a really interesting idea for, again, for new players, maybe for younger players getting into as well. The idea of starting at level zero, and this isn't obviously baked in rules as written, but it's a pretty simple idea that the players come up with a race. They pick, they pick that portion of it they don't yet pick a class they can dream of what class they might want to be working towards but instead they choose a a trade um a a you know and that could be a family business you could be you know your, your last name's smith and you work in the blacksmith place you're a baker's and you could tie son. it to a background yeah it could be tied into the backgrounds it could be tied into something a little bit more you know routine day-to-day -day life in the village someplace or maybe life in the city. How many hit points did you have? I don't know. One? You know, you, you, the idea is that whatever the sort of prologue adventure for these level zero characters is, is it's risky but simple enough that it's a uh, it's an opportunity to learn. Um, maybe it's a, again, it's a it's a simple simple thing. Uh, a wolf you know in the a wolf in the hen house or something you know it doesn't have to be crazy hard or whatever it might be that unites them together to and it might even be that it could be something a little bit more you know the other pillars it could be a little bit more of an exploration and social interaction absolutely yeah one tiny little boss fight uh, at the end of it and but you'd what I think you'd want to try and do with those level zero players again is really try to try to get them to at that point discover their backstory um, through some exploration through a little bit of stuff where you know if somebody is going to become a cleric that in the this little you know prologue type level zero game they is at that moment that they they find their god. That something happens at that point that they become true believers. Or and maybe it was like a sort of a family thing, you know, or like the village is like a, a village of a certain sort of deity, you know, or whatever. And they perhaps there's a temple or church, you know, of whatever that the 
the village may have, you know, and it's it was under attack, you know, or maybe there's just an infestation of rats underneath, you know, or something like that. Maybe not even like some magical force, but just an infestation of rats. And as they sort of defeat that, you know, in in the name of that character to defeat it in the name of the the deity and it sort of gains respect in, in the in the city and suddenly finds himself with these new magical sort of powers in response you know very sort of simple low level stuff but granted and given respect from their form of deity in the form of this connection now yeah i i, I think that i mean those sorts of like those sorts of stories then I mean, if you've got the time to play that and patience to start there, I mean, that forms, that can then form, really inform a very interesting low level character that um, you at that point then can choose stats and uh, your class and all your other, you know, things that you want to go with it and start to specialize. But, you know, maybe for beginning players as well, that through that little mini adventure stuff, they start to see they start to, to sort of see for the first time what they themselves are like at the table. You know, what are they what kind of things happen that they liked to do? And then how do we get more of that? So um anyways, I, I, I heard that on a podcast the other day. I'm wish I could remember whose. Oh, I know which one it was. It was the Behold Her podcast. Mm-hmm. Um excellent work being quick done. shout out um yeah quick shout out hey beholder uh it was an older episode but um still awesome podcast uh go check it out um so yeah new players getting on with D this summer uh you know find a find fun ways to onboard i'm gonna on this one i've got coming up next week i hope they're not listening but uh well, i don't care if they are uh my plan is to, to level them up through the first few levels very quickly milestones might be at the end of every session essentially um or mm. within the sessions just you know give them a chance to learn their characters and then very quickly add some new features to it learn those features add to it and get going get straight into it yeah and then and then we can start to get into i mean think about playing curse of straws uh, 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 uh. look i'm just again this advice out there public service announcement uh, it works better for level four, five, six sort of zone. It just does. Mm, right. Okay. I mean, okay. Well, there's another DM tip, maybe. And if you don't, uh, if you don't, maybe have the know-how to make your own adventures, pick up a quick source book like Curse of Strahd or like yeah. any of the ones available on D and D Beyond. Yeah. I mean, I think it's. I think our first instinct is that if we if we play pre-written, it's less work, mm. and and for sure. It is. It's less work because you don't have to build the whole thing. It's done. It's tested. It works. It's a good thing. But you still have prep work. You still owe it to your players to read the material, to know it as well as you can know it, uh, to know the story, to know the NPCs, to know where the treasure is, what's hidden. I mean, obviously, something like Curse of Strahd is huge. Um, you don't need to have everything, everything memorized. But I have a pretty good grasp on... Where the story goes, yeah, uh, and 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 the bigger story behind it, like you know, so where the first adventures would be, where the first locations, what sort of things happen there, what part of the story is involved in that, and then from there, um, you know, you just got to stay ahead of the players. Really, you can you don't have to read it all before you start session mm-hmm. one, but 
you know, before each session, you should know more about the story and then more and more. So I think prep is still there. Um, but it's definitely, if you're a newer DM, uh, or a bit worried about, you know, how am I going to, how am I going to remember everything? Yeah. Just work out of a book. You know, it's easy. You read the gray boxes to them. It, you know, although I, I think the gray boxes are just a start. You can definitely ad lib all you want on mm. top of that. Yeah. Or even you could take a combat out of a certain book and put it into your own campaign. Sure. I mean, I've seen that many times. Puzzles, simple sort of things like that. If people can't think of it, just lift it from a certain thing and plug it into yours. I mean, it's just super easy to do and like a really fast way if you like. If you want like a puzzle that you saw here that you thought was super cool in this certain adventure that like was like maybe certain putting keys in certain doors or twisting certain things that it opened and be like, hey, that works perfectly in this dungeon of mine or lifting entire dungeons potentially or parts of certain dungeons or monsters. So the way that they're played just to put into your thing is all okay. Like That's all a part of the process. Yeah, of yeah. Making I mean, sometimes it's just about getting the right map. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, I remember when Ravenloft first came out, um, we bought it because it had this beautiful isometric map of the castle. It was on the inside of the the module cover. It opened up sort of trifold. It was turned it you know sideways. And it was huge, and I'm pretty sure our first run through that castle, first few times we played, was we just we just used the map. We didn't read. We didn't care. We could figure out from the map what was what. Um, like and just improvised. Uh, and today, oh, I mean, you look on Pinterest, you look on places where people are sharing, you know, these most amazing, beautiful maps. There's so many gorgeous cartographers out there. So many people making beautiful setting maps. Um, there's, there's places where you can pay these artists as well for their work and please do. Uh, there's so much really gorgeous stuff. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just find a cool map and and the adventure will just come to you. It'll just be like pop in your head. And like, I know what's, what lives there. I know what the players have to do to go and find it. It's it's really yeah. easy. Just grab something and go this summer, baby. Just grab and go. Go for it, yeah. Give, it, give D&D a try. You know, if you're unsure and picking it up or what the cost is or how to get started, just go on D&D Beyond. If you're a DM, I'd recommend getting a at least a hero tier subscription, getting the player's handbook, DMG, the monster manual, and picking up an adventure, maybe not even the monster manual, and picking up an adventure book, just any of the ones available, Storm King's Thunder, any of those, and creating a campaign link, sending it out to all of your your friends that you want to help or have play, get the Avrite Discord bot, get Discord. I think all of that, all those things are are free on that end, and set up a time to start playing. You know, you don't need. A tabletop you don't need a, a physical battle map you don't need minis you yeah. don't need any of those yeah i mean there's always They're nice a, but you don't there's always them. been a small cost of dnd um you've always had to at some point buy books or buy modules so it's not like this game has ever been totally free but i mean the truth is like <laughs> so much of the stuff that's on dnd beyond there's so much there uh is such a at a cost effective sort of place right now uh, yeah, I would. I'd say if you're gonna spend money, just do that. Don't don't worry. I mean, I'm don't sorry. get physical books. You don't need them. I'm sorry, all those of you out there who sell <clears throat> physical books. Um, there's nothing wrong with the physical books. We I have love, all the physical I books. I love physical yeah. books, but uh, but yeah, if you're trying to keep it simple, if you're trying to get going this summer, just go with D&D Beyond. Uh, and yeah, so all right, 
for our listeners out there, what would your, you know, so let's say you've got some friends who've kind of said, oh, um, I've heard about D&D. That sounds kind of fun. You know, I, I want to play. I don't know much about it. How do, yeah, how, how, do we... what, how do you set up your first session? Mm. What I would do, so am I the DM in this situation? Uh, you're just going to have to be because nobody else knows how to play. <laughs> right, right. Um, am I the, what with what I know now or just starting? You know? Yeah, I mean, dude, Right now, so I've got I've got some friends who, we shortly coming back from the U.S. They're going to have to go through fourteen days quarantine as they come back to Hong Kong. We're hoping uh, end of June, early July, that we're going to put together. So this will be another noob group. But this will be an at the table, hopefully, in person group. Um, you know, so some new dads in there, some people who are, you know, sort of protect their. Yeah, don't tell. I'm not telling. Won't them, name but. names, um, but there's a you know there's a there's a group of sort of you know people at uh you know they're they're definitely there's coming to the game later in life. I guess is my point. Right, right. And so they're keen, but they don't really get you know how much time <laughs> how much time they kind of need to give to this. Um, and so I'm trying to say to them, like, look, you need to block out like a, we need like a three hour chunk of time. Like, mm. you know, we need to, we need to, and you may want to like, if you like it, we need to may to find like a chunk of time like this, like every week or every other week or once a month. Um, uh, but we need like to stick to it and everybody's got to commit and kind of be there. And so like for me right now with these, is it's it's often a scheduling thing. Like, even though like say we've got, you know, it's the summer of D and D, you know, how, how do we, how do we find time is the, I suppose that's the greatest issue. Mm. Um, but what would you do? I mean, right, back to yourself. What would you, like, what do you say to them to sort of make them feel comfortable? I mean, how do you sort of. So I think with some of my friends, but oh yeah, D and D's like super simple. If you're not super confident with role playing, that's not an issue at all. Um, I can sort of take the the charge with that, you know, I'll give you opportunities and make it sort of not so, not sort of a big sort of pressure to you. Um, super simple, super fun once you get into it. Uh, I'm sure you'll love it, you know. Just give it a try, you know. Um, especially with players who aren't comfortable, who I've sort of introduced into games. That's how to also like, but oh, I don't know if I can role play very well. I don't know how how good I'll be at that. I'm like, it's not a matter of being good or bad. There's not really any bad role playing, you know, as long as you're like comfortable at the table, you know, or I can try and make you more comfortable at the table, you know, I can help you out with whatever you need. I've got dice, I've got everything that you might need. I got all the, the knowledge that you need to get started, all the things. And so just show up. Uh, it'll be a good time. Um, I'll help you make a character. Uh, take all that sort of like, what do I do? Like, I don't, I'm much like the, the know how away from like uncertainty and yeah. just give a full walkthrough of what it means simplify everything down don't like like overload them with information just make it like yeah it'll be fun we'll do a simple like level one campaign even super simple just i'll just start with level one right i'll restrict the number of races especially if they've never played D&D, and if everyone there has never played D&D before i'll just make it the core just the simple like elf dwarf gnome human half yeah. elf stick stick to the player's handbook like nothing else crazy. other than that, you know, just keep it to that. No introduction to any like Morden Cannon variant tieflings no. or any of that. It's just super simple. What's 
keep it like no other source books, no artificer, no extra crazy subclasses, unless like maybe I think I don't know. I, I even with the I, I wouldn't party, say I, no. I would say, I, look, if like, somebody is super keen, yeah, if they really they want to play something like and that, they start digging into it all and they start looking at videos, they start like geeking out hardcore and they come back and go, okay, so I've got this like idea for a character and they pitch it. I don't care at this point if you've gotten and done enough of your homework to get that far that you want to pitch a character idea. I'm gonna say yes. Yeah, pretty much. If, as long as it's not like homebrew. This is my homebrew fox person no, no. who's an immortal deity who lives clearly. forever. I mean, exactly. It, but I'm saying if they've if they've dug through, like I said, variant human and they figure out how they want to do an ASI with that, and um, you know, and they they want to choose um a UA subclass of some sort i mean i, I mean obviously you're not doing that from level one but you know if they have this idea for what they want to do and go with it i'm i'm like empower the player absolutely i mean that's yeah i'm i'm okay with that as well but i'm just sort of talking with players who have no idea where to even start yeah well and i do the same thing right so i'm i've got not necessarily restricting them kind of reading like, through it but i wouldn't call it restricting more it's just what i tell them you know yeah. i wouldn't tell them like oh yeah choose from one of these 20 25 races that exist like here's like seven options yeah if you want to do other stuff like we if you know about other stuff and you really want to do it and you have a passion like but don't worry about that for now especially if they have no idea where they're even starting just keep it super simple um i've even seen like things online with actual play with some like teenagers sort of groups where they are they're only allowed to play human like there's no other choice besides human which i i feel is too restricting racist. especially if people really want to play something i would never take that away from them um even if i feel like like even if in our talking we're like oh this is weak this sucks like i wouldn't want to say that to a player i wouldn't want to discourage them from trying something if they think it's cool then i'm just going to give them the option to play that like like especially like what obviously not homebrew but that's my sort of philosophy going into it with sort of a new player i bring my dice I'd do a simple low-level adventure, like something like a were rat and two giant rats in a sewer that they were maybe just like sent to, like take out. You know, just like something super simple. You know, like not even like could be like a quick adventure into the woods and you find the hideout of this, I don't know, orc group of orcs, right? Sure. And they have a pet warg or something. You know, and that's it. That's You've done. got that's to all. escort the pie wagon from the bakery to the market. And it gets jumped by pie bandits. And that's it. Boom, boom. That's your entire adventure. You've got, you to defend, one... you've got to get the cart to the market. Boom, done. That's it. I'd give them, I could even lift something out of, I would lift something out of Lost Minds of Fandelver. Um, it's a little bit of a spoilery bit. Skip ahead, maybe 30 seconds. But there's a, a moment where there's sort of a dead horse in the middle of the road. And you can tell there's sort of been this ambush. Sure. And then later ahead, there obviously is a goblin ambush or something ambush, right? Which sort of gets you. Um, and so some, something as simple as that, just like setting up a clear sign like there's an ambush that's going to happen, and then the ambush happens, you know. Um, and that's that simple fight right there. I wouldn't even take it anywhere else. Like, I'd just, like, continue down the path, maybe give an extra sort of lore bit of, like, the like – the, there's a, a note in the, the horse's, like, that's like a saddle or something like that. And, you know, it reads, like, from this message from – to the – the king and as they get to this marketplace they have to get this message to the king to maybe take it on to the next session or something like that you know or to like some nobleman if i don't want to make it so like too grand scale you know but just something like that that ties them into the next session and like gives a simple storyline without like making it like too like edgy morality like i'm not gonna be like 
like ooh, are you doing like are you doing the wrong thing or like you doing the morally right thing like no you're just gonna kill some goblins like don't worry about it it's just like super simple get into the fun of like rolling a couple dice see how in, like, combat works a little bit and try giving it a little bit of role play you know maybe make an npc they can interact with a little bit and give them an opportunity to try and show their chops i wouldn't even worry about if people have a backstory or not like that to me if they're like showing up and like trying to understand how the game works and they don't really know what their backstory is yet or how concrete that could be i'd spend a little bit of time talking with them so they're happy with their character and invested in it yeah and then just get going and i think that's the key like i want i want players i want new players to love that first character yeah and you're right it's pretty easy to make bad choices um, that's fine so i kind of i mean no bad like build ideas i mean or boring build i build ideas that you don't want or like you might have thought that you are did mixed and, or unlike unclear or whatever um, right and so you just sort of help sort of hold or guide them along a path that sort of gets them set up to think oh yeah this is this is cool i really like this um because that's what i want you want i want people to be having fun i don't want them because and i remember being here a million times that you know you get into session two and you're like I hate this character. I don't want to play this character anymore. Mm. And that's unfortunate, right? Because you feel like, well, so we, we're having a hard enough time scheduling to get everybody at the table. Yeah, and um, I've had many a times where people are like, can I try this new character? Can I, like, can you write this other character off? And can I try this new character? And I'll just, like, stick with him, you know? Give him a try. Let, let us level him up. Maybe in a different campaign we can try this new thing. But we're just going to stick with that. Like, for now, we're going to keep it like this, like, Maybe I'd introduce a way for them to switch characters, but I wouldn't just let them go like, ooh, this is a new character. This is a new character, a character of the week style thing. I'd try to be like, let's be invested in the character. All right? No characters of the week. And so that's what I like try to do like and like at the get go, make them invested in their character. Yeah. Um but and this is there's it. Once, a lot of tempting things with the Once you, you see you characters more, you know? that I mean players who are much better, you can set them up to say, Okay, I want you all to write a backstory that ties you into why you're loyal for the king and players then get invested in this like i'm loyal because of blah 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 and they come up with their their things and they can all be very come at it from different points of view and you can talk to them ahead of time and set them up with npcs or part of their backstory that nobody else in the party knows about and you can plant all these really great story like hooks and people points. you but can't, you can't, can't brand do that new, with beginners right because i feel like you well, want to keep it simple in the beginning you know or can you could you set that stuff up to well thinking about starting secrets and holding those in is too much is I feel like overwhelming on top of the basic basic principles of D and D. And when I sort of first introduced my friends to it, I just kept it super simple. Yeah. You know? Start everyone at like a lower level, you know, and then just work up like until we get to maybe around fifteen, which is where my campaigns have ended at. Um, and then we had a big skip two years in advance where they were all level twenty, just so they could experience level twenty because they wanted to. And I gave him a final big fight, you know, after the big fight, you know, like a final epilogue uh, style a friend thing. And I gave mine, him all a goodbye. A friend of mine who's leaving town, uh, he and I met up the other evening, uh, just, you know, say goodbye, helped him pack a few things up. And uh, afterwards, we went out some food and we ended up talking D&D, &D, of course, about the campaign. And since he was leaving, I let him in. I dropped a couple of secrets that... I've been holding on to my character's been holding on to. We've been kind of waiting to get there for like, well, I don't know, like eight months now. And 
And it was lovely <laughs> to be able to tell him the secret and still get that reaction on his face of like, oh, wow. You know, that it was a really cool story point that the DM and I cooked up and he shared a little bit of his as well with me. And, and I was like, likewise, like, oh, that's cool. Um, but yeah, and, and he'll be missed. But, and this is just it with campaigns. Like the truth is that they don't go forever. Very few of us ever can hold a group together long enough to play all the way to level 20. Mm. Or I mean, even through the a course of a whole year to playing together would be pretty great. Um, you know, life life is complicated. It gets in the way, campaigns start, they stop, they fall apart for whatever reasons, they change shape. Um, so yeah, look, you're going to get a chance to play new characters probably just because <laughs> the campaign that you're in is more likely to die than your character is. And hey, if you want to uh, maybe may, may play another character, try and get another campaign started up with sure. some other of your friends maybe. Um, and you know, there's always an option like in a bigger campaign as well. If a character really isn't working out, that perhaps there is a narrative heroic death that your character can make, a sacrifice that does benefit everybody in the party um, and allows you to introduce a new character. But, yeah, it's a hard thing to do, but it can be really powerful when it does happen. I think the whole party needs to be invested in a character for that to be meaningful. Yeah. Because I've tried to, like, seen it. I, I've, like, sort of That's a good tried question. to see that be done, but it's hard to do. I mean, how, how do you get your characters i mean i i know with players who've been around a lot longer that it's easier somehow how do you get your players to love one another's characters i think like once you have those bonds and those adventures together you know there's almost like this memory which sort of never like yeah, happened you know it just comes from playing like that, just like doesn't it? it's like, just playing and having the connection because at the beginning all you know is your character sure you know, but and you I, might know what class I, they're playing or what race they're playing, but you don't know who they are for, until for me. I mean, I love, comes. I love when where there's my character and somebody else's, or a couple of them, or other people. When you start to figure out sort of combo moves, right? If I <laughs> set them up for this, and they yeah, it's kind of hard to set up yeah, in D and D. We, we do it all the time. We're good at it, and I love that. Like, it becomes a closer bond when we see our teamwork, when we see us working. Mm closely together that we're not five individuals but we're actually we're we're a well-oiled machine i think that's what makes a a sort of a brilliant player is those who are like not necessarily putting out the most damage no but the ones who are the most interesting character at the table but those who can communicate with their like their dm and their other players to yeah. set ideas for story points and find sort of connections and reach out and begin the role playing and and, and, and just even just being willing to role play with each mm -hmm. other in be willing between to sort of make those memories in between story points exactly have fun moments and witty banter amongst themselves that isn't prompted by the dm yeah. and whenever i sort of see that at a table sort of that as a dm or as a player as sort of makes my makes me really happy well there's plenty of modeling of that see, online to, to see today right there's plenty of actual play where you know there's there's players who are very good at that um, but modeling, modeling that is, I mean, it is important. Like for new players, um, I'm always quite happy if I've got amongst the party one person who I've played with before who's quite good mm. um, because it gives me somebody uh, to model behavior with. And then people are very good at copying that sort of like, they're like, oh, 
I see how you're interacting with an NPC. Okay, I'll I'll try to interact with the NPC that way. Or see that player try to interact with the other players. And then they're like, oh, how am I? Okay. And then when it comes around to them that their character, you know, they give it a go. They try a voice. They try a personality. They try whatever it is that they can to try to bring their character to life in that situation. Mm. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I yeah. love, I love, I love, I love starting new campaigns with like new people or with new, like with friends that I've had before and seeing them try new things. And sometimes they don't. And to me, that's not necessarily disappointing. I, I like when they try and make up new backstories or they try and justify the reason behind it or make a new sort of whole thought behind why they're playing it or how they'll play it differently. Even if it is the same class, I can sort of joke about how oh, there's the Hexblade for the seventh time, you know. But at the end of the day, like, if they love playing it, that's what makes me happy, you know. Yeah. That's what I love to see at the table, regardless if it's the a millionth time I've seen it, you know. But I think that's a good place to wrap up this episode. We've been going for nearly an hour now, so... Um, stay safe, everyone out there. Stay, stay aware. Stay happy, and let's get ready for a, a summer of D and D. Yes, bring the summer of D and D. Have a good week, everybody, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye bye.